right, let's get it going in three. What the fuck? Sorry, I opened up a pack in FIFA. They have a new animation mm -hmm. where, like, an 86 overall player was on the screen, like, doing the walkout. And then there was a higher rated player that walked onto the screen and told them to leave. And then they took center stage posing like this. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, that just totally caught me off guard. Welcome, Jesus. everybody, to another edition of the Tookie's Take podcast. Endo and I are back for our final show of the offseason. Next week, we move in. To the two weeks with the uh, really kind of the start of the season, our season preview shows. We're going to have some people joining us here, including hopefully one sim for the win. Um, as Endo can attest to, we have all been just very, very busy lately and random things popping up. That's kind of uh, really, you know, interrupted our ability to have the the guys, the fellas together. But Endo and I are here to talk all about our love of FC24, and I guess maybe some hockey. I think some things happen there. Uh, Endo, how are you? Uh, I'm good after completely whiffing on, I think, what was it, four to five, like, sure, <laughs> like, surefire goals. So, funny yeah. story about that. If you're watching the stream uh, two nights ago at this point, uh, the Thursday night stream for the launch, for the early access launch of EAFC, New FIFA game, same shit, literally same shit. The game feels a little bit slower, but you know, in like a week and a half, it's going to be like right back to the same pace it was before. Yeah. Um, when you set up your 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 settings, uh, for me, I'm playing this on PC, and it didn't carry over any of the stuff from my last save on PC with pro clubs and everything, because we usually played it on console. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a mouse on any of the options on the screen, it will move your cursor over to that option, no matter... What you do, you have to move the mouse off, sc off, off screen entirely. Mm. So what ended up happening is there's an assist option in the controls that's shooting assist, and it's either assisted, precision, or manual. That some bitch was set to manual. So anytime I get a chance to shoot right in front of the goal, usually I point my stick off to the like the right or left a little bit, like like either like like twenty degrees, um, uh. I will show people the visual visual people if I hold it up over here and I go up because usually it's like oh you're aiming towards the goal left or right left right over here right side I usually go up a little bit like this so I can get the I can get the curve in uh that some bitch did not curve that some bitch just went flying the other way like as if I was dumping it out for, for the other team and that mm. happened three to six times and <laughs> I was getting I was getting vis visually and like audio like verbally just just irate i was mm. so mad i think the the key moment was um uh the the power of crisp if you've used discord you might be familiar what what crisp is it's the power of christ yeah the power of christ <laughs> <laughs> jesus well we'll talk about that a little bit too but um with crisp what it does is it takes out a lot of the background noises like fans and stuff like that and basically kind of like cleans up the audio a little bit for you. So you can have like a fan going in the background. If there's loud background noise, it basically eliminates it. I yelled so loud that Crisp thought I was like just background noise. I was like, yeah. And then just like, yeah. Ah. It was amazing. <laughs> I think Tookie was pissing himself. Like just us laughing so hard last night. Oh, man. 
<sighs> we had a good time. Um, you mm. mentioned so the highlight of last night, and again, we'll we'll get into hockey, <laughs> we'll get into viewer questions, all the fun stuff. The highlight of last night was originally we weren't even gonna play clubs. I was gonna do like the the franchise mode, the career mode, and I'm like, ah, I need time to kind of scout out. They have changed quite a few things, unfortunately, they still haven't made it so like, oh, you can change like generated player names or something like that, which would have been fun, um, you know, just to get chat more involved in that way. But we end up playing club. And we were playing with a friend of the show. And who knows? We might even have this guy on to talk about the Metro Division. Um, our boy, Chilson. Mr. Who, Ohio himself. The fucking <laughs> leader <laughs> of the <laughs> board of <laughs> tourism. <laughs> the That's state the of Ohio. Chilson. Uh, who informed us, and if people aren't aware of this, now is a lovely, lovely time uh, to, you know, look this up. And also... Educate to, yourselves. Yeah, and to show <laughs> that you should, you know, hey, hang out in streams, even if you don't uh, think the game's for you. He informed us that in Ohio, there <laughs> was a statue known as Touchdown Jesus. <laughs> which was a foam Jesus with both arms in the air at like the foot of a pool. And in 2010, it was struck by a lightning <laughs> and burned until there was nothing left, but the metal <laughs> structure inside of it, the fucking sticks. <laughs> <laughs> It became a goalpost. <laughs> God, it's one of the most bizarre things I have ever seen in my life, and somehow I don't understand how I had never heard of this. Um, but yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Touchdown Jesus. Um, may he rest in peace. Um, although there is something new there in his place. Um, which is an even bigger Jesus uh, <laughs> going full Scott Stapp with arms wide open. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Ohio, man. And it just it, it led me down the rabbit hole last night because there is a website known as RoadsideAmerica.com, which has all of these, um, you know, roadside attractions from around the U.S. And I want to know if somebody knows of something that is more bizarre than touchdown Jesus. Um, let me know. Hit me up on freaking Twitter, the comment section on YouTube, Discord, whatever. What is your version? It doesn't have to be Jesus, but what is your version of touchdown Jesus? I really want to know. Uh, it is worth noting, by the way, this site has uh, the Canadian provinces as well. The whole roadside America thing. Oh, God. So there might be, there might, and there's plenty of pins in Ontario. It makes me wonder. Uh, literally, I clicked on Ontario. The second result is the world's largest golf bag in Amaranth, Ontario. <laughs> you Damn. know that Canada is going to deliver with some of these really freaking weird roadside attractions. So I, I want to know. Have you heard of the Big Nickel? <laughs> no. You guys don't even have nickels. Yes, we do. Do you? We don't have pet. What? Who told you we don't have pennies? 
I just I don't fuck it. I thought you did can everything I, in I, the fives. Yeah, we have. I nickels. guess the nickel counts as a five, but it you call it a nickel. A five. It's a nickel. Yeah. I have literally never heard a Canadian in my life just be like, "Yeah, we have nickels here." Yeah, we do. It's that we have we used to have pennies, but then we found out that the copper is actually the copper used in pennies is like holding like one point three cents, not one cent. So we got rid of the penny, and now we just round up when it comes to purchases, which is pretty cool, I guess. Um, so the nickel is a nine meter. You can look this up on on Google, by the way. It's it's legit. It's a nine meter replica of a nineteen fifty one Canadian nickel. Located at the grounds of the Dynamic Earth Science Museum in Greater Sudbury, Ontario, Canada, and is the world's largest depiction of a coin. We have a giant fucking nickel. That's my nickel. You know, <laughs> you know how disappointed I am, though, that you guys like it's not a big loony. It's a nickel. Why? You have this amazing opportunity. I don't. I don't pretend. Hey, guess what? Echo Bay, Ontario, world's largest loony motherfucker. There you go. There you go. Yeah. The world's largest $1 coin, commonly called a loony, is the only road in the tiny town of Echo Bay. It was created by Ralph Robert Carmichael. What a name. It's Robert Ralph, but same thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The name like that. I was going to get the fucking loony over there. Jesus. It, Erected in 2012. <laughs> oh, 2012. So that guy still fucks. Yeah. He's alive God, and kicking. 15 feet high is made of some sort of metal. And if you want to fuck like Mr. Carmichael, well, then, hey, you want to be prepared as you possibly can be, which, of course, brings us to our lovely sponsor of this show. Manscaped. Our friends at Manscaped. Dot com. Of course, I want to remind you that you can use the code Tugi, T-O-U-G-I-E, for 20% off your order and free shipping. I said free with a capital F, like that other four-letter word that Mr. Carmichael happens to engage in quite a bit. Of course, Manscaped, the, the pinnacle, the peak. You want to be looking your best, you know, unless, I mean, it, it's kind of unspoken, but I mean, the natural enemy of Manscaped is the, the 70s bush. but. Hey, some people are into that, but even if that's the case, Manscaped still has you covered other options. Of course, the lovely circular cylindrical deodorants, they got you covered in terms of really the best boxers you'll ever wear as well. Uh, Manscaped's got you covered regardless of the need. Check them out. Manscaped.com. How's that for an ad read? Very this good. Read. This is this is how the show goes when Sin's not here to to rein us in, which is which is okay, um, because otherwise we could sit here and talk about random roadside attractions <laughs> for way too fucking long. But yeah, I want to know. I want to know what people's uh, what what's the local thing where it's like this is this is weird, but we have this. I want to know. Uh, especially because if you look at the state of Maine, there's some fucking weird ones, man. Oh man, oh, I gotta take a look now. Ones. Although you know, like, fuck, goddamn, like Stephen King's house is probably the one that most people are like, oh, gotta go to that one. Okay, um, so I clicked Maine. It says Desert of Maine, cool in Freeport. Then International <laughs> Cryptozoology Museum. <laughs> who, who the fuck? Yo, <laughs> my man looks zooted out of his mind right there. 
like you see the picture he puts up there, right? Too like okay, we're on roadsideamerica.com looking at the stuff right now, and internationally, the man looks like you gave him too much at the sesh. He looks just gone, greened out of his mind. <laughs> and then wild blueberry land, that no eyes. <laughs> my, my favorite, my favorite one is um in in Farmington, Maine, which is uh, a college town. Birthplace of earmuffs. So you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> and you know who to thank. There's just so many weird ones like that. Uh, there's also uh, in Freeport, uh, the big F Indian uh, standing for the big fucking Indian. Um, <laughs> is that the one because, that's in Skohagen or is that the one? This is uh, no, Indian. there's a different one. <laughs> There, what do you mean there's two? That's conflicting information right there. That's not allowed. Who vetted this? Who vetted all this? God. So yeah, hey, check stuff out like that. Uh, that said, we'll get into some, we'll get into some viewer questions, and we'll see Last if for one. once chat can't out weird what we've already talked about. Hold on, God birthplace damn. of the inventor of the donut hole. <laughs> Rockport, Maine, Hanson Gregory, <laughs> oh, yeah. eighteen forty-seven. A small plaque erected on his birth site. That's where his <laughs> parents fucked. Honors that world-changing event. Yeah, someone put their fucking declare <laughs> changing event. <laughs> the donut hole. Oh god, that that's how specific people in Maine have to get. Like you know, it's like the SpongeBob thing, like. Who knew this guy? Who knew this guy? Who knew this guy that invented the putter? <laughs> it, it always has to be something that uh, that non-specific. Yes. Our first question. What the hell? Okay, fine. Well, it's from Scroopy. What is your favorite Yogi Berra quotes? The two hey, I boo -boo. use every day. <laughs> hey, boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good too wasn't it <laughs> the problem is i knew that's what you were gonna do and i'm like don't do it don't do it that's gonna task it <laughs> don't forget to pick the basket <laughs> oh man from ender what is your favorite <laughs> i mean we can't top that script <laughs> oh man in fairness, the two quotes, it's deja vu all over again. I didn't know that was a Yogi Berra quote. And in theory, there is no difference between theory and practice. In practice, there is. From Ender, what's your favorite podcast to listen to? Not including your own, he says. Um, Ender, <clears throat> do you have a favorite podcast? Um, do we include, like, defunct podcasts that, like, don't use this anymore? Sure. Yeah, okay. So, my favorite podcast to listen to, what got me in the podcast, was Sleepy Cabin. It was a former podcast by a bunch of Newgrounds animators, including ONENG, Rice Pirate, Spaz Kid, Psychic Pebbles, who has his own TV show on, um, what's it called? Adult Swim, Smiling Friends, and a bunch of other people in that whole, like, Newgrounds space. And they would just talk about basically literally anything. And it was so off the rails, the, the wildest conversations. It had a bunch of hypotheticals, and Spaz Kid, aka Corey, would just go off the off the rails with everything. 
Uh, current podcasts, I would say Castle Super Beast, um, mm. with because uh, I'm a big uh, two best friends play, super best friends play uh, connoisseur. Uh, what Pat stares at, aka Patrick Boivin, and um, Wooly Madden, Wooly Wolves Madden, uh, who, of Wooly Versus. And they just talk about games. It's, it's not even the, the, the conversation about games because they talk about shit I really don't care about. Like, you know, well, they will go on about the fight, the FGCs for like days on end, and everyone's just kind of like, well, they just shut up. We just want to talk about something else. <laughs> but <laughs> just just the general way they talk and the things they they talk about and the just just the humor in it. Sometimes they just make each other laugh. That's that's the one thing that I that I really appreciate and I really like. I mean, I feel like that's why a lot of people listen to this show. It's like, ah, they talk about hockey sometimes, and that's cool. But also, you just never know what the hell we're going to talk about. <laughs> exactly. So, that's got its appeal. Um, at, at this stage, the podcast I listen the most to is uh, post-wrestling. Just kind of my go-to for anything kind of wrestling-related. Um, aside from that, I mean, uh fiance's favorite podcast is my favorite murder so i've listened to a lot of that on road trips and stuff like that or just um you know whenever there's extended time in the car uh, which is also a really good really good podcast so uh but yeah at this point it's definitely the uh, uh the post wrestling side of things the one that i listen to the most to support them on patreon as well they are tremendous but obviously if someone's not a fan of wrestling it probably won't appeal but um yeah post wrestling for me at this point from Reds Rebels, who was the worst player you've ever seen play for the Bruins and or the NHL? So we'll phrase it as this. Who is the worst player you've ever seen play for your favorite team? That's a uh, Mike Commissaric. I like how quickly you were able to think of somebody. I was like, that's a, and I said, commissary. That man got paid so much money for little output he was able to do. Then again, that team during his era just absolutely sucked. Like, we went from Mike Commissary, like, straight to Dion Phaneuf. Mm. And I think the reason why I, I think Mike Commissary is because 2BC had a shootout video and he was with Leafs. And he's going, I think he was going against the Habs online. And he's like, oh, what we got to do, we got to go through. He's like so pumped. He's like, got one more chance. We got this. No worries, whatever. And then he gets to the line. He gets this opportunity to shoot. And it's fucking Mike Commissaric. And he goes silent. He goes <laughs> fucking silent. <laughs> <laughs> it was the bad. It was the most like you can't write this shit moment. But also because Mike Commissaric. I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I feel weird saying like, you know, a player sucks because they made it into the NHL. And if you're an right, NHL you or an wanna... NHLer. Yeah, like I want to throw like, someone oh, under the bus. Like, yeah, that guy sucks, but he's he's in the uh, with like unanimously the the most high level hockey league there is, mm. and yeah, I'm just gonna say my commissary. Yeah, sorry. I, I mean, it's it's definitely it's a relative term, right? Like, oh, who mm -hmm. sucks? It's like, well, they're in. They made the NHL, so they can't be that bad. Um, I'm having bitch of a time who I would describe as the worst player I've ever seen play for the Boston Bruins because you want it to be someone relevant like there have been random dudes who played for your team you know your favorite team where it's just like they were only there for a cup of coffee can you even consider them like Caspar's Daugavins played for the 
Bruins, but he barely played. So it's like, is it fair to list him off? Or it's not fair to be like Wade Redden, because Wade Redden at his peak was pretty good. By the time he got to the Bruins, he wasn't very good. <laughs> so, man, I don't know. That's uh that's a real tough question. But I guess if you're keeping it in like a, a bubble of what they did when they were there. Um, God, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That's a really, really tough question for the reasons that Endo pointed out. I feel like most disappointing player would be a, a decent one. That would be a little bit easier because then you're kind of getting into the fact of saying, okay, like, hey, yeah. they are very good. And hey, they had those expectations. And Lord knows there's a lot for the Bruins. I mean, you could go with former draft picks like Jordan Caron. Uh, you could go with Louis Erickson, who was traded for Tyler fucking Sagan. Um, th- there's a lot more options once you start talking about most disappointing player. Does a certain draft year of a certain number uh, come up in the equation there? Yeah, yeah, it does, doesn't it? There's your free space, boys. There's your free space. The 2015 NHL entry draft. It's brought up for the Boston Bruins. Fill in that bingo square. It's there. Um, Honestly, I think maybe Tyler Biggs, if you're looking at that one, because you're going to break it down a little bit better. I think Tyler Biggs might be like the biggest, like, because then again, it could be like, yeah, the biggest assist. Like the biggest bust, or Greg McKegg, who just never panned out for the Leafs ever. Former Bruin, Greg McKegg. Yeah. There we go. Oh, God. Uh, from Young Burrito. Sorry for the question last time. Don't worry. We don't remember what it was. <laughs> but if you had to be one plant, what plant would you be? An industry plant. Um. Um. <laughs> the industry plant's an amazing answer. Just ch- chance the rapper. You know, I got the problem with the problem with me. <laughs> God. God, Holy I love that shit. so much. I'm on fire tonight. Jesus. <sighs> you know, I can't top that with the problem with me. <laughs> From, uh... <laughs> Who is this? Oh, it's Hawks. Hawks, well <laughs> done. Uh, username on Discord right now is Sister Christian Cage. Uh, <laughs> that might have to be the fucking episode title. He has the best names. Oh, man. Uh, the most underrated item of clothing. Minor jeans, he says. Well. The belts are underrated, aren't they? Yeah. God Only damn. It reminds right me back in 2003 no- without them. Oh, man. My, my whole life would change if they, those weren't a thing. Um, this. <laughs> oh, man. It just reminds me of... Um, there's a Nardwar, the human serviette. You familiar who Nardwar is? I am, actually. I am. Good. Good. Cultured man. And yeah. there's an interview with, I think it's with Travis Scott or some sort of rapper. And he says to him, uh, and he says to the guy, he says, uh, how do you keep your pants up so high? And then he just looks at the camera for like a good, like 10 seconds. He just says belt. <laughs> it's the creep. My, my favorite Nardwar moment. 
Um, and I'm, I'm familiar with him. Like, I haven't watched everything, but I understand, like, man, he's been around for, like, 15, 20 years plus. It's yeah. crazy. Original much my, music guy. My favorite moment is he was interviewing ICP. And he says to the, so I understand the owner of Fago hates you. <laughs> and Violet J just sits there and he's like, that can't possibly be true. <laughs> like it breaks his brain. Like the concept <laughs> that the owner of Fago could possibly hate the insane clown posse. <laughs> the other one, <laughs> it's like, we made them too much money. That can't be true. <laughs> but it was just the response of like, just dumbfounded. Like that, that can't possibly be true. <laughs> Oh man! I, I respect Nard- Nardwar's ability so much to just be like, to just be able to break the brains of the people that he's interviewing. It's incredible. Yeah, so a dude, massive like, amount of respect. Dude, like pulls up your grade one like yearbook, and you're like forty now, and it's just like, oh, is this you in the picture here next to uh, next to Snoop Dogg? And you're like. Yo, what the fuck? How'd you know that? It's like, oh, you used to go by this name when you were younger. Can you tell us more about that? And it's like, yo, I never told no one about my mom's about that. It's like, what? what's going on? <laughs> it's insane. It's <laughs> always oh, so like, God. well, you're, you're insert name here. We have to know. It's like, okay, man, like, you work for the feds? Like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, the research level is just out of control. So. Yeah, it's like that guy on um on GeoGuessr, uh Rainbolt, who like looks at like a pixel who's like, Yeah, it's Africa. Uh <laughs> looks at the grass. He's like, Yeah, that's Montana. <laughs> I I love watching people like that on YouTube or on Twitch where it's just man, like the the no zoom, no panning. Literally they just get a screenshot and it's like, yo yeah, that's on uh fucking Beale Street and fucking Vancouver or whatever the fuck. It's like how? My like, favorite. I, like, yeah. We play GeoGuessr on stream and I can do pretty well, but holy fuck, like the amount of time and effort it would take to get to that point where you're just like, oh yeah, no, that, that's where this is. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Man, like there was this one thing that he did, specifically Rainbow, where um he decided to someone posted a, like a picture of a bagel. Like cream cheese with the schmear, all that stuff on there. And he's like, man, this shit's so good. I'm not going to tell anybody where this is. And within a fucking week, this man found out what order he had, where the restaurant was, and made the order and said, like, oh, to get it, you have to say, get the rainbow. This man snatched his whole name, his whole (laughs) word for word, bar for bar, and just took it with him. It's ridiculous. Goddamn. Goddamn. From AJ, what's your favorite food item from Canada? For him, it's poutine. Endo, for you, what's your favorite food item? From Canada? Um, I'm not sure if this is, is exclusive to Canada, but we have um, this thing called beaver tails. Mm. Yes. So it is, it's basically like a flat pastry in the shape of like a kind of like a beaver tail in a way, hence the name. Haha, <laughs> gotcha. And then they put a bunch of whatever on there, a bunch of candy. Um, frosting, whatever you want in there, different types, you can get like bacon on it and stuff like that. Like, I've had that like once, 
was like, yeah, this is so good. But then I realized like how much like how gross it was. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have it once and just never again. Because it's like, you know, when something's so good, you just kind of like, yeah, I'm just gonna only one time, one time offer, buy one, get one, never again. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I got it. I mean, you know, again, I, I live in Maine. I'm close enough to Canada. I have I have been several times. Um, I mean, poutine, good poutine is fucking delicious. There can be there can be bad poutine. Shockingly, I don't know how the hell people manage to mess up poutine, but they do sometimes. Um, I mean, yeah. you, you go with the poutine, you go with the, the ketchup chip option. Like you just you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. all dress yeah. chips. Oh, yeah. Go for that. Mm-hmm. That's the way that is the way. So, I mean, like I said, there, there's enough crossover where it's like. I remember one time looking up like, oh, like what? what's a stereotypical Canadian food? And obviously it's like a lot of it, like depending on like if you're on the coast is like, oh, like lobster, seafood. And I'm like, I, I'm i right. I'm right there. We fish out of the same fucking waters, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there's a lot of a uh, lot of crossover for me. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go with like a poutine and a ketchup chip option. It's fine. From BK. Have it your way. Uh Will Connor Bedard hit 40 goals in his rookie season? I no. I, I no. just can no, I don't he? think so. Yes. My hope is to see him hit 25. And he could hit more than that. Look, I I saw the freaking clips of his fucking release in that uh that whole freaking preseason game or whatever the hell. It wasn't even an NHL preseason game, but the whole rookie tournament thing. Um his shots unfucking believable. Like he, he is as advertised right now. But that said, just looking who he's playing with is concerning. Um, granted, we don't know yet, but Cap Friendly has him listed as playing with Taylor Hall and Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I I like Taylor Hall a lot. You know, he was playing middle six minutes instead of top lines. So we had 36 points in 61 games last year. Maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, Connor Bedard turns Taylor Hall back into what Taylor Hall once was. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, like, I just, I view it as I don't want to set the expectations too high. I think that's what people need to do is because if everyone's like, oh, Connor Bedard, he's going to hit 40 goals and then he gets 30. People are going to be like, was that a disappointing season for Connor Bedard? And then we got to get into the argument of like, well, no, he scored 30 goals as an 18, 19 year old. It's like, yeah, but he should have scored 50. Look at this. I don't want to get into that fucking nonsense. Um, So will he score uh, 40? I don't think so. Um, Anything less than 25 would be, uh, oh, God, what went wrong there? I mean, he's practically a shoe-in for the Calder. I mean, all things considered, at least in the preseason voting, he's insane. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. 40 is that's setting the bar really, really high. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like I think people are making a lot of comparisons because he has the same, he's a very, very similar release to, you know, Leaf legend Austin Matthews and the way that he plays this game and kind of the same kind of style is there, but Austin Matthews' rookie t- rookie season was filled with stars. Mm. You had 
Willie Nylander, you had Mitch Marner, you had a whole bunch of other players as well. Like he, he, he really, it's not that he didn't do it on his, on his own, but he had help. He had a lot of support and help. Not to see, you know, Tyler Johnson and, um, what's it called? Taylor Hall aren't elite, but at the same way, it's, it's two teams that are at different stages in their, in their development. You know, it was an, it was an amazing opportunity for the Leafs to grab Austin when they did. And it paid out because they immediately made the playoffs after. Mm. And it shocked literally everybody. It's like, oh shit, they're, they're that good. Because, you know, Marner got called up, Nylander got called up, and everyone just kind of you know, went for it. Right. The, in the case for, you know, Chicago, they didn't really have that many other prospects. They just kind of have Bedard, and they have, like, with the other Doc brother, and not, not, not any as strong as, like, something that happened with the Leafs or any other team so far. Out there. So, I don't know. I think he might, like you said, I think he might get 25. He might get 30 if he's lucky. But I don't think he's gonna get anything more than what do you do? I don't think he's gonna get anything more than um uh than than thirty or forty. I don't think he's gonna get forty. He, I can say twenty-five to thirty goals. Our final question from one bouncy McBoink Boink. Would you rather embody Rob Zombie's persona forever or Slipknot's persona forever? <laughs> so you have to embody the spirit of Rob Zombie or the spirit of of Slipknot in their on stage personas. Hmm. You go first. I mean, like if I'm embodying the, the Slipknot on stage persona, that means I'm in a mask all the time, and that that could just be that could just be problematic. So, I I mean, Rob Zombie, his on stage persona. I mean, he just it just looks like a dude. <laughs> I mean, he looks like a dude that hasn't showered in a while, but he just looks like a dude, you know, like in, in 2023 is Rob Zombie really that weird looking anymore. He's a dude with a beard, long hair and tattoos. That's at least like 12% of the population. He's not yeah. that out of place. That's like all of um, th- that is literally all of like the art scene in Toronto. Everyone's got beard, long hair, and tattoos. Um, I was going to say... <laughs> he said, that's a man. It pointed me back to the Eric Andre skit where... Um, uh, I was like, oh, do you listen to Waka Flocka? It's like, is that a band? That That's a man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe Slipknot. I mean, I always wear a mask anyway because I'm mostly playing hockey. So, And the drummer for Slipknot is also a goalie. And got his mask painted by the guy who does Harry Price, um, Markstrom, and a bunch of other NHLers masks. I don't know, too. Like, I remember when um, the guys at Bar Down were kind of facilitating that whole thing. It's pretty sick. So, yeah, I go with Slipknot. Why not? There you go. Why not? Slipknot. Why not? Thank you, everybody, for the uh, questions. By the way, we appreciate it as always. With that, we'll actually get into talking about some hockey here. And we do have um, quite a few things to touch up upon here. Um, We'll be bouncing around from topic to topic a little bit. Wanted to start off with something that caught my eye the other day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Not the biggest story in hockey. We're going to save that for last, uh, a.k.a. a victory lap. 
Uh, wanted to mention before I had forgotten, Matvey Michkov. We talked about at the start of the season, he was barely playing for SKA St. Petersburg in the preseason. Got little ice time in this first game. Since then, he was loaned out yet again to Sochi, uh, where so far this season, he has five points in four games as an 18-year-old in the KHL. Um, Thank God. (laughs) Thank God he got loaned out. What a sigh of relief for Flyers fans. And the second anyone's like, oh, well, maybe it's it's clear. When he's on the ice and he's given a chance, he is an un-fucking-believable player at his age doing what he's doing in the KHL. There aren't too many people um, in the history of that league to do what he's doing at that age. I mean, again, he had 20 points in 27 games last year for Sochi. Um, so Flyers fans rejoice. Uh, Matt Vamichkov not uh, not being ruined by SK St. Petersburg. Uh, yeah. Thank God for that. So, so like another thing, too, is SKA, from what I can remember, is the state owned team. So Correct. they're going to have a lot more say in, you know, certain ways and certain things are going on over there. Note that when he was playing in the VHL, uh, which is like just under the just under the KHL itself, he was getting a lot of ice time, put up 14 points in 12 games, and then basically had to get called up and was basically buried until he was then, you know, loaned over to Sochi. Mm. You know, with, you know, Michkov possibly 10 to 1 heading to the NHL when his contract is over with, you know, with the KHL itself. Um, yeah, that's they're, they're going to try and bury prospects. Another thing, too, is we talked about this before, and let's say, for example, you are a young prospect in Russia and you want to come play in North America. You now have to pay out all of your fees. It's kind of similar to, you know, to, what is it, uh, buying your buying contract out of your club in, like, football? Yeah. Or, like, to leave, you have to pay that transfer fee kind of thing. And that's now becoming something that's over in at least in Russia with their development and how they're going over there. Whereas like you have to pay back like all of your fees because they see it as, you know, you're waste, they're wasting their development or they want their money back kind of thing. Right. Want to grow home, home talent and keep the talent there, which in a way it's, it's smart. It promotes, you know, building up talent and have them stay and then play in K and, you know, grow up more, not instead of losing players and national nationalization and have them play in Canada, Europe, us, wherever. But at the same time, it kind of limits the opportunities where you can go. Let's say, for example, you are a family that like you're really strong at playing hockey, but your family isn't financially able to basically afford that contract buyout or whatever. You're basically kind of stuck there and you don't really have any options. Unfortunate. Right. Yeah. Other things that happen, like I mentioned, we're going to kind of bounce around here a little bit before getting to uh, the big topic in the victory lap. Uh, Two new captains in the NHL, Braden Shen for the St. Louis Blues and the Rat King himself, Brad Marchand, the newest captain for the Boston Bruins in um, what is another transitional move, I would say. You know, obviously it went from being Chara as the longtime captain. Bergeron only gets it for a couple of seasons before retiring. And now uh, Brad Marchand, at 35 years old, uh, will have the captaincy um, for, you would imagine, beyond this season. I think a lot of people were expecting it to be Charlie McAvoy. Marchand is under contract for two more years. 
Um, you know, you wonder just how long he'll play and if he'll stick around beyond those two years. I would imagine Brad Marchand goes down as a, a Boston Bruins lifer. I can't really see it like it outside of the Bergeron thing where people are like, well, maybe he goes home. It's like you know, Marchand's from Halifax, you know? So it's like maybe like if he grew up as a Habs or a Leafs fan, it would be, oh, I'll go there for the final year of my career or something or, you know, the Marlowe thing. He was there for more than a year, but you get the point. I would imagine he would be there for, uh, oh, for life. And uh, I, I did, in fact, last night, I, I bit the bullet. I ordered the uh, the new home jersey after hearing some feedback regarding the third, which I I did initially really, really like. Um, I think it was someone like Pete was like, ah, you know, the he said something about like the material or something like that for the third jersey where I'm just like, all right, you can't go wrong with with a black and gold Bruins jersey. I know some people haven't liked it. My initial reaction was eh, I've warmed up to those jerseys a lot, though. Um, I was even asked on stream last night, like, would you want the Bruins to keep the, the three jerseys that they have full time? And I got to be honest, yes. And I think the reason for that is you look at the Patriots changing their look. In the aftermath of Tom Brady's retirement, I would prefer the Bruins to do something similar. Um, granted, it's an old look, but let's go with that new look, and it's a new era. You know, we can leave the the previous jerseys for the the Bergerons, the Charas, the Marchands of the world. Let's get a new look. It's the same thing that the Leafs did, right? Like they had the kind of shitty jerseys that they had through the end of the '90s and the early 2000s, and blah blah blah. But then, oh, it's Matthews, it's Marner, it's Nylander. Let's let's update this look. This is their era type of thing. Um, I'd love to see the Bruins do the same. And yeah, I agree, I agree <laughs> with that. I, the second I saw uh, Pete wearing those jerseys, I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're good. I mean, yeah. yeah. Those, they were ones where, again, my initial reaction was a little bit, a little bit spotty, but I think all, all yeah, things, I, not bad. I think the worst part about the leak or the the post, the first thing that we, everyone saw about it was the image of them being on a two D plane and you know the yeah. kind of like sticky. I, those those to me are the worst ways to see a jersey. It's the it's the absolute worst because it's just very it's very cardboard looking, very square, and we all know jerseys aren't really that square. They're they're more you know there's more curve in it and you you it looks when you when you're able to see something on someone or in an actual environment when it's actually being worn in a in a game or in like a, on like a fan or on actually someone it, you can see that like oh if it's gonna work or not for example those jerseys work jerseys that do not work the <laughs> the Anaheim Ducks and their location of how they're putting everything God. Can we talk about that, please? I mean, what's there to say aside from Jesus Christ? Um, for those who haven't seen it, they have a sponsor patch on one side, um, like the anniversary patch for 30 years on the other, where the seat or you know, where our letter would typically go. And then underneath the anniversary patch is the captain's letter. I they have to change it before the start of the season. They have to. It looks so fucking bad. I would not believe that. Like, I'm someone where it's like, again, like in terms of sponsorship logos, I'm like, look, man, the NBA has been doing it for years. It's going to happen in the NHL. I'm I'm fine with it. Like, I agree that there are 
there's like the Philadelphia Flyers where it's like, oh, here's our orange, white and black. And then you have a blue sponsorship on there. I agree. Like sponsorship logos should be like color coded to the jerseys. Um, but holy shit. Like, can we at least get the placement right? And yeah, Anaheim by far is the worst that I've seen. It's crazy how bad it is. Yeah. So there we go. Everyone's day is ruined by having to think about Anaheim's jerseys at this point. <laughs> Basically. Um, a couple other quick things to mention. Uh have to mention it. The Tanner Pearson trade to Montreal. It's Tanner Pearson and a third round pick to the Habs for Casey DeSmith going to Vancouver. It is a good deal for both teams. You know, the Canucks get an upgrade as a backup goaltender behind Thatcher Demko that they desperately needed. That said. It's a terrible trade for Vancouver because they ended up in a situation where it's like, oh, shit, we got to move somebody because of the cap. Like, it just felt like further mismanagement of their assets as to where you had to give up a third round pick to be able to move Tanner Pearson. It's not their fault that Tanner Pearson was coming off of a major injury. But at the same time, it's just I don't know how how much confidence um, as I know, we'll hope we'll just hope that that's good. Slight technical error. And if it's not, then, hey, the show got fucked up. And that's the last thing people hear. Um, you know, it's not as if you could have predicted that Tanner Pearson was going to get hurt. But at the same time, I just I don't know how much confidence I could have as a Canucks fan in uh, team management at this stage. So that's all. But I do think it, at least it was a good trade for both teams. A um, couple other Quick things to mention before we uh, get to the victory lap. The PWHL draft took place. Um, Teams are set, at least for the moment. There's a bit of a roster freeze going on um, at the moment. But heading into uh, the upcoming season, they are slowly starting to kind of drip feed what the looks for the teams will be. Uh, Surprise, surprise. Toronto's team going with a, a blue, a lighter blue, in fairness, kind of Blue Jays-ish. And mm-hmm. the Boston team, well, they're not going with the typical uh, the gold or yellow. Uh, they're going with a, a Celtics-ish green as their primary color, which, to be honest, I am, uh, I'm good with. I'm good with. I, I like that idea of just like, oh, it's a, it's a hockey team in, in Boston. It's got to be gold. No, not necessarily. Um, so I do like that they're uh, that they're changing things up, but um, I am very excited for the league. You know, again, the draft goes through. You have these initial teams set. Um, you know, Boston in general, I feel like got a really fucking strong roster as well, which is sweet. Uh, beyond the three teams, the draft picks that they ended up with, um, there was that list of of notable names. Of terms of uh, people who were not drafted, including someone who uh, might be a distant, distant relative of mine, as I discovered. That was funny. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a couple names. I think the the one that really stood out to me um, was Maddie Rooney, who was the kind of the the hero of the U.S. Olympic team. Um, God, what was that? Five years ago or right. so. Something like that. Um, where... Uh, she just stood on her head in the Olympics, and it just makes you wonder. Like, I hope she signs somewhere if that's if that's her intention is to um, is to continue to play. So, uh, I'd like to see her sign somewhere. I'd imagine she'd go to Minnesota. She's from Minnesota, but we'll see. She went to college mm-hmm. in Minnesota as well. Uh, but yeah, shout out to uh, 
Olympic gold medalist Maddie Rooney. I hope she uh, ends up on a team this season. But uh, yeah, we're going to keep covering the PWHL as well, especially as the season gets underway. Like I said, I am very, very excited. And I think now is... Now is the time, especially it's it's just that idea of not even like, oh, if you like the, the women's game, hockey in general, it is only a positive thing if the women's game gets fully established, this league gets fully established and they start making that forward progress. So now is the time, everybody, to, to hunker down and actually support the women's game beyond just the Olympics. So, yeah, hey, there you go. There's my. Is my PSA uh, for the day. Yeah. Two other quick things that I don't have too much to speak on. Um, Steven Stamkos, there was an interview where he mentioned being disappointed that there wasn't contract discussion talks this offseason. They got a long time to potentially re-sign Steven Stamkos. It's kind of a non-story at this point. Um, it's something that you'll be able to look back on if Tampa like drops the ball in regards to negotiating with Stammer. But for right now, chill for a little bit. But if you're a Ducks fan, then yeah, I think now's the time to be concerned. Um, Good old TVA sports in uh, Quebec. um, Reporting that the Ducks are offering Trevor Zegers a deal in the three to four million dollar range. Um, the best way I can think to uh, compare this is to go to our lovely friends at Cap Friendly and kind of compare people in his age group and the names that have only gotten three to four million. Um, Chief among them is probably Martin Natchez. When he was 24, he signed a deal at $3 million that he is currently uh, being paid, which, again, he he deserves a hell of a lot more than that. Uh, Trevor Zegers is coming off of back-to-back 60-point seasons. Um, Jake DeBrusque, Noah Dobson, um, Matches Maselli, Michelli, I forget which one it is, uh, on the Arizona Coyotes is getting a deal this year at almost three and a half million dollars for the next three years. And he had 49 points last season in 64 games. The right. optics of the Ducks offering Trevor Zegris a similar deal to Matches Michelli is horrific for them. Absolutely horrific. You see around the league, teams like Ottawa just being like Jake Sanderson, Here's the bag. Tim Stutzla, here's the bag. We're just going to pay our young guys, our young stars, and show that level of loyalty. And it just feels like the Ducks are kind of fucking around when it comes to Trevor Zegers, which won't be forgotten, I feel like is the best thing I can say. He's currently an RFA right now. Um, so who knows? It'd be great to see someone offer sheet the fucking guy. Um, this is the type of kind of dicking around with a a young talent that will cost you even more money down the road or will simply result in the guy wanting to leave at first opportunity and the ducks who have 
I believe the most project they do, according to Cap Friendly, they have the most cap space of any team right now at 16.6 million. And you're dicking around with Trevor Zegers to try and, I don't know, get a bridge deal. I I do not understand the logic. And uh, that's going to be one of the more talked about stories heading into the season is just what the hell uh, is Pat Verbeek doing as the uh, as the GM of the Ducks? That's it doesn't make sense. Um, I would love to see a team. You look at three teams that have the most cap space aside from Anaheim, Nashville. Buffalo, Chicago, all three of those teams could use a Trevor Zegras. Chicago having oh, Trevor Zegras and Connor Bedard. Holy fuck. Nashville getting Trevor Zegras to be kind of the new number one center and Ryan O'Reilly as the captain lead. That helps their kind of retool rebuilding. And Buffalo, you get a Trevor Zegras to go alongside Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins down the middle. I mean, you you know, there's already debates as to whether or not Buffalo is a playoff team. You add Trevor Zegers to that. They're definitely a playoff team. Yep. Problem is offer sheets in the NHL. It, it's practically a video game statement because it just so infrequently happens. Um, but now would be the time to see something like that happen because Anaheim just keeps fucking around and I don't understand it. I don't know. Uh, just Anaheim in general for the past couple years have been, you know, rumors about, you know, John Gibson and his appreciation there. And then, you know, it, it just, I don't know how to describe Anaheim or it's just like a constant state of not knowing where to go. Mm. It's like you have good quality players. It's either you pay them and you let them kind of just sit there or you don't give them support. And that's basically how it's been kind of since they've won the cup in a way. It's like, we won a cup. Okay. Now what do we do? And everyone who was there when they won the cup, uh, either retired or left for another team to go try and win a cup somewhere else. And now you're in this weird spot, like almost 20 years later where you're still kind of in limbo. You had a great goalie in Frederick Anderson who you traded over to the Leafs. You have John Gibson, who is essentially been like injured almost on loop. You had Ryan Miller there as well, too. And just just, you know, there's not much that, that those guys can do on their own. You need to supply them with, you know, talent and pay them their dues and support them. And I think if they lose Zegras, this is going to be. I don't want to see another step in the wrong direction because they're just going right back down. If they lose Zegris for anything else, it's a crazy like trade of all things. If they can't really find a negotiation and if they know they're going to be able to, they're going to lose him in the off season uh, by a, what's, what's the word? Uh, you just said it before. RFA. Oh, claim. Offer yeah. Sheet. Offer sheet. Yeah. Like at least trade something for him. It, that's, that's one thing I talked about with to bring it back to the Leafs, Joseph wall. Whereas the Leafs now have three goalies in their three three feasible goalies in their lineup. Um Ilya Samsonov, Justin Wall, and oh, Joseph Wall, and uh Martin Jones, believe it or not. So now it's like, okay, Joseph Wall is the most has the most tenure out of all three of those goalies with two years at making 750k a year. And do you keep him in the minors again for another year after he was 
essentially a star in picking up the slack when Samsonov went down and basically kind of carried the weight for the Leafs in the playoffs because he played he played great when he was given the chance to. Right. Or do you like keep him up there and then have like a three goalie rotation? Uh, or as I like to call it a three goalie tandem, you know, that's not exactly a word. Um, mm. And rotate Samsonov as a starter and then rotate Jones and Wall in the regular season. Or do you, you know, have Wall up and then send Jones down and Jones, Jones gets claimed via waivers? Right. Like, it, it's, it's, it's one thing. It's, uh, my, my thing is if Joseph Wall doesn't play, in the NHL this season to start the year, you've wasted his development. Find a trade from somewhere else, get some value because he's young. He's got he's got tenure, um, and it's just the way I see it. Because this is the this is arguably the best goalie prospect they've had in a long time, and you're wasting his money. You're you're wasting his time, and you're wasting his money. I just want to say, I am so proud of you. You are in mid-season form as a Leafs fan. Yeah. You turned a topic about the Ducks into the That's Leafs right. golden situation. That's right, baby. Because every fucking year, for that one span of the year, for like three years, when I mentioned Freddie Anderson and all that, everyone would go, oh, the Ducks? Oh, what's that? A trade with the Leafs? How do we talk mm. about the Leafs? How do we make it about the Leafs? That's exactly why I went there. It's the exact example of teams wasting talent and not doing anything with it. It's unfortunate. You did well. Season four. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud yes. of you. That was well done. Thank you. Well, our final topic, uh, there's someone who won't be hitting mid-season form because he didn't even hit fucking training camp form. Mike Babcock has oh. been fired by the Columbus Blue Jackets, replaced... Uh, by new head coach Pascal Vincent Vincent. I will say um, one thing about this real quick before you go into the details. The fact that he was so quickly replaced, not by an interim coach, but by an actual fucking coach, means that Babcock was given a chance by someone in the higher ups. Like, just like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll give you in there, whatever. Like, I don't know if it was Jarmo or if it was the fucking owner of the team itself, just being like, fuck it, we're going to put you in, give you another chance. The fact that, again, there was no interim named. No interim at all. It was like, okay, you're gone. You're the actual coach now. Why the fuck was Babcock the original coach to begin with? It should have just been um, this guy. Yeah, I mean, there's... So, Pascal Vincent, by the way, um, you know, former coach in the QMJHL, uh, former head coach of the Manitoba Moose of the AHL. This will be... Uh, he spent the prior two seasons with the Blue Jackets as an associate coach. So he's been there. He's familiar with the team. Uh, that is the biggest takeaway from all of this. And there's not much we can say or add at this point that we haven't already said on the show that others haven't said at this point in regards to this. This is a massive embarrassment for the Columbus Blue Jackets. There's no other way to put it. This is a massive embarrassment for Yarmo Kekalainen. The idea that you knew who you were hiring and the first sign of trouble Okay, he's gone. Then what the hell is the point of bringing him in? You you didn't even stand by the guy and just be like, well, we can try to work on it. Like, no, the first sign of trouble, it's you, you cut. To, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And you got rid of the guy. It's just so fucking cowardly. 
Like you had the balls to sign him despite knowing what the backlash would be. And that backlash is fine. But then once you actually start getting, oh, it's happening again. Okay, yeah, it's gone. Like on one hand, I think some people are like, well, it's commendable. They gave him another chance. He fucked up and they said, all right, fuck you. You're out. But you don't get much like Babs. You don't get the benefit of the doubt in the situation. And as we've learned more about what's been said in regards to this incident and the fucking player that went to Babcock's house for lunch and then didn't even get fucking lunch, but had his phone looked through and whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> even prisoner is going to last meal. Even prisoner is going to last meal. Give him a fucking Lay's fucking bag of chips. Something. Come on now. Come on, Babs. What happened to Canadian hospitality? From fucking Saskatoon, aren't you? Jesus. Like I said, there's just not much that can be said at this point. Like, you know, for Pascal Vincent, it's just, hey, you know, he, he has no expectations now in terms of, you know, what might be, you know, he should have been the guy in the fucking first place. Let's be honest. So I feel sorry for him because now his opportunity, his first head coaching job in the NHL level is overshadowed by Mike Babcock. So it's not fair to Pascal Vincent. It's not fair to the Blue Jackets players that this guy was brought on as a coach. And then you're having the GM apologize to the team, apparently, for hiring the guy in the first place. Like, there's just there's so much about this where it's just. Yeah, they, this is what they deserve. This is what they deserve. And I'm sorry. Again, I. I understand why some people are like, oh, Babcock deserved a second chance, and he, he fucked it up, and it is what it is. It's just one of those things, though, where it's like not everybody deserves that extra chance. And like I had said when Babcock was first hired, this wasn't his second chance. He had already had his second chance. When he went from Detroit, and all the stories were coming out about what happened there, and then he went to Toronto. Toronto was his second chance. And then he spends a year in the NCAA, a year in U Sports in Canada. And then with Columbus, like you just knew what you were getting. And thankfully, this will be the end of Mike Babcock. Yes, he was successful in the past with a Stanley Cup championship. He made the finals uh, when the Mighty Ducks made that charge to the final and lost to New Jersey. He was the head coach of the Ducks. He had a couple of Stanley Cup finals appearance, won a championship. But as we had talked about before, the league changes. And as the league changes, it's not just players and play styles that get phased out. Coaches get phased out too. And Mike Babcock, as a successful NHL coach... That was in the 2000s. That's a long fucking time ago in general. It's a fucking lifetime in hockey. Think about how drastically different this league is now compared to 2008 when he last won a Stanley Cup with Detroit. It's an entirely different fucking league at this stage. And it's just one of those things where I don't know why it took another incident 
for some people to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, no, the, the league has moved on past someone like Mike Babcock. The fact that it took this fucking long, the desperation of the Blue Jackets to try and make this work. It's just it's it's just another shitty look for the NHL, really. I mean, and again, Mike Babcock, yeah, is he the worst person to ever be behind an NHL bench? Probably not. Uh, but he's he's closer to the to the top of that list than another list in terms of nicest guy to ever be behind the bench. Um, good riddance to him. And now the question for Columbus for me isn't, oh, uh, how are they going to do this season? Pascal? Vett- no, the, the question is, again, how Yarmo Kekalainen still has a fucking job. He's been there for 11 fucking years. You hired your guy out of desperation and he resigned. Let's be honest, he was fired before even starting the fucking season. I, I, man, I'd hate to be a Blue Jackets fan right now. Don't get me wrong. Like Bruins ownership, leadership, there's questions there that you can critique them for. That's fine. But I do not understand how Yarmo Kekalainen is still the GM of this fucking team. <laughs> like, how many do you want to talk about chances? How many chances do you need? 11 years, you have what? One, two playoff appearances and one round victory. That's it. I don't know. So good riddance to Mike Babcock, and uh, hopefully Armo's not too far behind. There you go, old boys club. That's it. There, there's not much. There's not much that hasn't been said that we cannot repeat over and over again. Mm-hmm. Terrible decisions all around. It should have never happened. Babcock got a signing bonus because every coach gets a signing bonus when you sign a contract, and that's it. He didn't even get paid for the regular season because he didn't even get the regular season. He didn't even get the ca- he didn't get the training camp. Mm-hmm. Non-contracted players who are invited to the training camp get the training camp. Two he didn't months. even put in his cubicle. He didn't even put his stuff in his fucking cubicle in his office. <laughs> he probably only had his fucking TV up so he could airplay whoever's fucking. Photo is up on the fucking screen. God damn it. I feel bad for Boone Jenner Chevrolet, though. You know, kind of getting thrown under the bus and all this stuff. And a lot of the players, too, because, you know, you don't want to create a rocky situation in the locker room. And yeah. Crazy. Two months and 16 days. I hope it was worth it uh, for the ownership of the Blue Jackets and, uh, and the Armo Kekalainen. And, and obviously, again, most people probably already would have. Um, even if it's not your deal, I mean, the the Chicklets podcast, the most recent one, they do talk about, you know, what they had heard and why they felt, especially Paul Bissonnette, so strongly about talking about this, which really kind of led the charge. Because let's be honest, you know, regardless of your thoughts on them, uh, had they not pushed, this story would have died at the joint statement from Babcock and Boone Jenner and Mike Babcock would still be there. And it's a damn good thing that it's not. Um, You know, I I saw someone comment this way, like, man, in terms, in terms of a phone, like 
police need a fucking search warrant to go through your phone and the idea of an NHL coach and that power dynamic and him being like, Oh, let me, let me look through it instead of just provide me with fucking pictures. Like, Oh, let me, let me see your phone. Like just the whole story of it is it's just fucked. And it's (laughs) who possibly could have seen this coming. Oh, everybody, everybody imagine. Um, I feel bad for his Mike Babcock's daughter. (laughs) Yeah. She's she's involved in this too because he I, I forget if it was a Pierre Lebrun article and I don't mean to throw a name out there if it's not him but it's just that idea of like there were those essentially puff pieces and Babcock's like oh yeah you know I talked to my daughter in the off season there and <laughs> she really kind of taught me you know oh, what I need to do better apparently she didn't do a good enough fucking job or he didn't listen either way he makes his daughter look like an asshole in the situation like yeah. everybody involved aside from the players look like absolute dickheads under the bus seen it coming everyone under the bus you're under the bus you're under the bus you you are driving the bus everyone's (laughs) under the bus god and like you know that babcock thing like this is like two weeks now that we've it's been out since you know um but (laughs) there was a cut scene from Madden 20, I think it was your at a Madden 19 or Madden 20, where you're at least in the face of the franchise, where you have these meetings with the coaches, and it's like, oh, interviews, whatever, get to know the player. And one of them's like, hand me your phone. It's like, what it's like, what do you why why am I gonna hand you my phone? It's like it's like, you know, this is this is this is part of policy. So you hand your phone over. It's like, so you'd hand over your playbook too. It's like, what? This is entirely different. It's like, no, this is exactly what we need. And he looks around like, what? What the fuck is this? <laughs> oh man, it was the first thing I thought of. They get posted on Twitter. I'm gonna retweet that right now. Uh, or repost. It's like me. it's like the Simpsons meme of like they they always they always saw it coming. And I mm-hmm. guess uh, in a way, the NHL franchise saw it coming. That's great. But with that, everybody will wind it down. I mean, like I said, like I, I called it a victory lap and talking about the Mike Babcock thing. It's not even a victory lap for someone like me who was just like, hey, yeah, told you. If anything, it's just frustrating. Like, why? Disappointment. Like, it is. It's like we didn't. You didn't need this to happen. You didn't. And that was the point is somebody Right there, like Pascal Vincent, who deserves an opportunity, was always there and was overlooked to do the same old shit. Endo mentioned the old boys club. Like, it's just so frustrating of you'd like to think that the NHL has made progress. And I saw people mention that, like the whole Kyle Beach thing. Has the NHL done much? And again, you're not directly one to one. Nobody is comparing Mike Babcock to the piece of shit that worked for Chicago. Or the people that uh, essentially didn't do anything about the piece of shit who worked in Chicago. And as a result, are also pieces of shit. Um, Shout out to Joel Quinville. Don't worry, he'll still get a job. There'll be some teams that think twice. Joel Quinville will be back in the NHL within the next year. I'm willing to bet on that. I'll put some money down on that. He will get signed by somebody. Um, Because why would we believe any different? Because right. the NHL doesn't learn. And what has changed in terms of protecting players from that power dynamic that GMs and head coaches hold over them since the Kyle Beach thing has happened? Again, it's it's different. It's an invasion of privacy versus an assault. But at the same time, 
you don't want to downplay the invasion of privacy too much because it's still very, very fucked up and shouldn't have happened. How much has the NHL learned? And unfortunately, the feeling is not much, if anything, really. So it's just... I think back to um, this podcast and, you know, I thought about it last year around this time. And I think about it this year, too, as we get ready for our season preview shows, because it was around this time two years ago or so that Endo joined the show. Um, And then obviously not too long after that, it was sin. And obviously a lot of people have been listening to the show long enough. It's weird that I've been doing this for like three years, Uh, but obviously, you know, different co-host at the time. And you know, we had had those conversations in regards to like how much quote unquote negative stuff do we want to cover? And for me, it was like, well, man, if it's the big story, we got to talk about it. His viewpoint was more so like, let's try to keep it as positive as possible. I can't imagine like you can't. The problem is hockey in itself is not the whole positive thing as much as I wish it was. Trust me, I wish we could have gone with his vision for what he wanted this show to be. And it's just talking about the positive, cool side of hockey because hockey's an amazing fucking sport. What's happened in those two years? The Kyle Beach thing, Mike Babcock, like just so many negative fucking stories at the forefront of hockey that you just simply can't ignore. Um, and I wish that wasn't the case, but it's what the sport's been. And it's, again, just one of those things where it's like, you just want the sport and the people involved in it to be better. You don't want to feel gross about wanting to watch the top hockey league in the world um, because there isn't that alternative. Like if you're a professional wrestling fan, there's an alternative to the WWE. Yep. You feel gross about them getting a billion dollar television deal and then cutting over 20 fucking people from their jobs. Um, hey. and that's hey. just, that's just on air talent. That's not even the hundreds of people that were fired uh, in terms of like the corporate ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will um, say some of some of the really just to completely derail from that. Some of the releases that people were saying, like, you know, some of the like, oh, man, you know, hopefully go somewhere else, too. And people were like, we are finally out. We are we're gone and we're going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It was the best 10 years of mid. and We're finally ourselves. <laughs> I know we are, there's two there's two in comparison that you're talking about, especially yep. that were on a Twitch stream last night. Who were oh just my like, god! Oh, here's the dirt because we're independent now. <laughs> that was so good, God. I want I want to talk more about that, but this is not the podcast for that. Check out Second Turnbuckle with that man to the left or right of me. I can't remember anymore. That man next to me, whichever way, and uh, the one man, Crash Andrews. You know. Check other podcasts and talk more about wrestling. Maybe I might be on there because at this point I've gotten reinvested in mm-hmm. the wrestling. So it'll be nice to go on there. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Yeah. With that, everybody, we'll wind things down for this week. Again, we will be back, I believe, on Monday with our first division preview show. It'll be back to two episodes a week starting next week, which is fucking crazy. But this upcoming Monday, the 25th, I am, well, hopefully proud to announce, barring any uh, technical issue there at the end, uh, I am proud to announce that our guests covering the Pacific Division will once again be our friend from the Las Vegas Sun, Danny Webster. We'll be back, and hopefully that means Sin will be here with them. Sin normally misses the shows that Danny is on. 
Uh, but Danny will be here covering the Pacific Division with us this Monday, talking about, of course, the team that he covers for a living, the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, what he thinks about their chances as they try to defend their championship and, of course, all the things that have happened uh, within the Pacific Division. We talked about the Vancouver Canucks a little bit earlier on, and obviously there are some interesting teams in said interesting division. But, yeah, that'll be coming up on Monday. Uh, for now, Endo, got anything going on, buddy? Um, I have to buy a new motherboard for my computer, or I have to jerry-rig my setup. And that's been the reason why I haven't been streaming. Not this half put together background with the fireplace nice and hot. Uh, yeah, that's been the reason why I've been trying to figure things out because I can't capture, I can't print, and I can't print, brother. And um, that's that's the problem that I have right now with the with my streams and how things are going up. So probably gonna get started for October first. I'm missing all of September, so I can't chill out, which is unfortunate. But yeah, you can catch me, uh, Endurance M, uh, everywhere on YouTube, Twitter, or X, as it's called. So I keep, you gotta, you gotta do the X, uh, and Twitch as well. So that's me. Notice, notice me, Papa Elon. I, <laughs> I have a blue check mark too. I'm surprised the blue check mark isn't a fucking blue X. You know? Oh my god! I've been so many rants about the check the, the the verification system where it's like, oh, we're gonna give everyone a blue check mark. Just give them the, the the Twitter blue logo. That's all you had to fucking do. And now people who are verified don't even know if they're actually verified or not. So like, oh, this this celebrity I, I follow or this reporter that I follow is that the real them? I don't know. I could spend eight dollars and get the exact same shit. Mm. It's it's so it's annoying. You guys can uh, find me everywhere, of course, at Tuki24. Twitch right now, it's a lot of FIFA, FC24, and uh, still some NBA 2K24 as well as splitting time between those two games until NHL hits the market. The hot market, because there was a hot preview today. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Nothing changed. It's just like, oh, cool. Your objectives are now dynamic. Okay. Yeah. Any new any new game modes? Nah. Fire packs. Huh? Bring, at least give the, me a, yeah. Go go. At for least it. the uh, at least the gameplay is better. But with that, everybody, we'll line things down. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.